goody, Greg's doing a solo review of another fucking JRPG. God, I need to play other shit. Howdy doodly loyal listeners and people who just turned this review off. Greg of the Stephen Greg Podcast, it's not about shoes here, and I want to talk about Shimigami Tensei, Devil Survivor Overclock for the 3DS. Fucking mouthful. So, what is this game? Well, it's a part of the Megaten series, who make the main series Shimigami Tensei, as well as the spin-offs like Persona and Digital Devil Saga. This time, rather than being a standard JRPG, Devil Survivor is a strategy-based RPG like Fire Emblem. You play the hero and his two best friends as they try to survive a lockdown in central Tokyo after a demon outbreak. Just when things couldn't get any weirder, your cousin gives you and your friends a magical DS called a comp, which allows you to summon demons to fight by your side. Using your comp, you must fight your way through eight days of demons, soldiers, and other demon tamers like yourself if you actually want to survive through this ordeal. There are six different endings with many possible events happening in each one that helps you really understand and focus on the world, as well as getting you a lot of replay value. The story and characters are great, although everything starts at a snail's pace and your best friend characters makes you want to fucking strangle them sometimes, you make your choices through the game, the characters evolve and grow depending on the route you take. Say for instance Yuzu, who tries desperately to escape, can have her mind changed a bunch of times depending on the alignments you pick throughout the game. So, like most of the games in the Mega Ten universe, there's an alignment system in which, depending on your choices, you side with law, chaos, or neutral, and they all have a philosophical flair to them involving human nature and how people should live their lives. But unlike other games in the series which rely way more on the philosophy than the character, this game really meshes both together. There's an extra depth to the characters rather than being, here's a good guy party member. This one's a bad guy. I think one of my favorite story elements is the death clock, a floating timer above almost everybody's head that tells you how many days they have left before they die. This adds urgency to your playthrough as you save humans and other demon tamers from their fates, as well as trying to change your own. At the start of the day, you get an email from the Laplace Mail, which predicts major events in the lockdown as each in-game day passes by. These involve huge homicides, as well as events that could kill potential and current party members. As you prep for these events, you travel from place to place inside the lockdown, gathering information and fighting demons. On the city map, there are locations where you can pass time and chat with characters or dick around in an area looking for food. If there's a clock next to the location, it will add 30 minutes to your in-game clock. It's a cool system to keep the plot constantly moving and getting you to meet and develop the main cast of characters. Now, the actual gameplay is when you get into fights with demons and other tamers. In battle, you control four teams of three the tamers, and two demons they summon. Like any standard strategy RPG, you move along a grid to another enemy and you have to kill them or you have to head to an escape route from a big ass boss guy. The main character can be completely customized from beginning to end. With every level you get to choose how a stats grow, as opposed to your friends who level their stats how it pleases them. But that's the only difference, stats. Skill builds are entirely up to the player. At the start of a fight, you can skill crack enemies to learn more spells and passive abilities like more MP and high crit rates. But you can only assign a skill to one character and that's what makes them unique. You need to learn what your team's stat growth is and to make sure to assign them skills that suit them as well as making sure they survive on the field. That's where the demons come in. Money doesn't buy you equipment and items like any other RPG, it gets you demons with their own set of skills at your disposal. 
When everyone's building teams, you need to think who would work better with certain characters, since it's one tamer to a party. Like, giving Atsuro a healer so he can focus on HP sucking physical attacks, and giving Yuzu a protective tank character to make sure that her low HP doesn't, you know, run out. So, if you've played other Mega Ten games like the main series or Persona, you'll understand it in no time. For those who haven't, demons in Mega Ten games are like Pokemon. They're all unique and they have their own strengths and weaknesses, but rather than constantly grinding them to get better abilities, you need to fuse them with other demons to get higher leveled, better statted custom monsters. The great thing is you can also gain access to a compendium, which can save the data of any demon you've created or bought at the auction. Although I really like the difficulty of this game and the freedom I get in the story, the presentation is pretty subpar. See, the demon designs are iconic. They've been in pretty much every single game, they've looked exactly the same. It's like a fucking Pikachu. You can't change it, it's adorable as it is. Don't change my big giant dick monster. It isn't the demon designs in this game that bothered me, it's the character models. I'm gonna butcher the hell out of this. Suzuhito Yasuda, the illustrator of the Durarara manga, was hired for the specific job of getting a younger audience attracted to the series. Yasuda has a habit of using the same character models and faces for pretty much everybody. Most of the female characters have huge busts. Fuck Perky, these things are filled with helium. Yuzu looks like she has her own gravitational force. Like the nipples are pointing up to the northern star and going, that's north. It's weird, it doesn't look good, especially in a lot of the artwork for the game. Also, I'm not too much of a fan of most of the voice work. There is an impressive cast here. We've got some great veterans such as Melissa Fawn, Travis Willingham, Kyle Herbert, Laura Bailey, Vic Mignogna, and so on. But the issue I think I have really is that the actors sound way too old for their in-game character models and the voices just don't match them. I think the only voice that really stood out to me perfectly for a character was Amanda Wynn Lee's performance as Haru. I think she did a wonderful job. She really got a good, somber sounding, really cool sounding character who's suffering from depression. And she just sounded great throughout the entire game when she wasn't singing. But the good thing, there's only about two scenes where she actually does sing, so you can skip that. In fact, you can pretty much skip all the voices because this game actually has a feature to turn them off. I wish more JRPGs had this. The music is a little boring for the most part too. Nothing really stood out to me aside from listening to the same 30 second loop of the fucking town map theme and the same 20 seconds of the guitar riff from Fight Enemies. Boring. Overall, this game is pretty fun, but it's something I don't think needed a 3DS port. The original title came out two years before this on the DS, meaning if you have it, you can play it on your 3DS. And I mean, the port horribly underuses the 3DS with all of the action on the lower screen, and that doesn't work because it's smaller, and the top screen is much bigger, and it's made for more cinematic shit, and also 3D. I want to see my fire spells explode. If trying to find the original game for cheap wasn't an issue, I'd just say play the original. Atlas does have a sale almost every week for their game, so wait and see if the game is actually 15 bucks off the eShop, because 30 bucks isn't worth the full retail price of this game. I'm interested in playing the second game, since I know it's going to probably have a really good cast of characters and a really good story, but I'm really skeptical that it's going to suffer the same porting issues as this. 
Plus, not to mention the second Devil Survivor game literally came out two years before this port. So, I don't understand why these needed ports. I'm being pretty wishy-washy here because overall I did have fun with this. I like the multiple endings and I really like the characters. If you're up for a more storytelling adventure, I definitely say play this, but if you're here for the overall package, I say move to something better because there are way better strategy RPGs out there. That's it for me from this review. More solo podcasts and full episodes with Steve and I are on the way. So, if you haven't already, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, Gmail, and YouTube is on the way. You can trust me. So I say, this is Greg, signing off of the Steve and Greg podcast, It's Not About Shoes, as I play something that isn't full of dirty, dirty weeaboo taku trash. I need to play new games. Please help me.